Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 175, and it's a brand new year, and what better way to kick it off with yet another Friday the 13th Spectacular! And this time, we're taking on the 2009 remake reboot. Oh my goodness, how exciting! Hope you enjoy it, because it might be the very last one, because there ain't no more of the series. What? I don't know. And when I don't know, it's a great time to just start the damn show. So for those of you who are new to the show, please allow me to take a moment to introduce myself. Hi there. My name is Patrick. Very nice to meet you. I'm going to be your host for the next hour or so. I'm going to be your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies, but as seen through my very, very gay little eyes. But first, what's been going on here in Scream Queen's headquarters? Did I say that right, or did I stumble upon the name of my own show, Scream Queen's headquarters? Well, let's just call it SQHQ for now. Well, first of all, happy 2017. I hope you had a great night, and the the holiday season was fun for you overall, and safe and groovy, and, and everything that you wanted it to be, plus a little bit more, but in a good way, like good surprises, not like weird surprises, but anyway, not the point right now. Mine was good. Mine was good. I spent it at a cocktail party at my friend Robert's house, who I knew from the New York City Gay Man's Chorus. It was nice, small, about eight or ten guys. We played Cards Against Humanity. We watched the ball drop. We didn't get to see Mariah. And we had martinis. And then I got lost in the subway on the way home, because that's always fun at 3 o'clock in the morning when you're drunk. But hey, welcome to New York, baby. But for those of you who follow me on Facebook, you have already heard this. This was fun. I was cat-sitting for Mr. Sebastian Kitty, because Mr. Brad is off – well, he was off visiting his relatives. And I was on the subway earlier that day on New Year's Eve and going to take care of the kitty. And on my way home, I was riding next to two very gay people, two very gay young men. And one of them turned to the other. You know, they're having a conversation about whatever. I'm not paying any attention. I'm playing my games or whatever. And I just heard one say, God, it's weird going home to get ready for a party that I don't have to rinse my butthole out for. My head snapped. My jaw hit the floor. Okay. Okay. Rectal cleansing is an important part of gay life. It's just a, it's it's a, it's an, it's it, well it's not a necessity. It's a courtesy. Nobody wants to poop on their partner or be pooped on unless that's what you're into. But for the most part, yes, I understand that. On the other hand, though, I can hear you. You're in public. Don't be giving away all of our secrets. I mean, I had to explain to TJ when she stayed with me for a week that that hose in the shower is for rinsing out Miss Moochie's litter box. Now she might figure it out. What's the matter with you? Of course, now that I talked about it on the podcast, now she'll be like, oh, that's what that was? Oh, I was using it to sing into like a microphone when I was singing in the shower. I don't know if that really happened, but whatever, whatever. Kids, don't talk about rinsing your butt out on the subway. That's not nice. 
No, I mean, well, I mean, don't talk about it on the subway, and also don't rinse your butt out on the subway, because, you know, I, I dangled my participle there, and I realize you might be confused. Just don't do it. Have some tact. Keep our secrets, for the love of God. So, as most of you know, I did not go home for Christmas or for Thanksgiving because I wasn't invited because I'm just too radical for my, you know, politically for my family right now who are all leaning in another direction and chose to express that by, you know, saying, don't come. I found out from my one cool niece that everybody who went to my sister's Christmas party wound up with a chronic case of the super flu. Whatever flu they had got or gave each other they still have. We have gone through the whole 12 days of Christmas at this point, and all you fuckers are still sick. Some of them had to go to the hospital, like my parents did. And it's, you know, kind of hard not to just sit at this position and say, well, that's karmic for you. Because, you know, on the other hand, when I heard all this and I heard my parents were in the hospital, I kind of went all morellous inside because I felt nothing inside was nothing and this is a chorus line joke if you don't get it I can't help you too bad yeah so that's that now I had to take a self-defense class yeah yeah they're hosting free self-defense classes all over the city these days because they've become necessary since the election I know of Six gay men that I know of who have been stalked, followed, verbally harassed, had rocks thrown at them, all on the streets of the West Village in New York City. So don't fuck with me, okay? I already had taken a self-defense class years ago, so I knew a lot of this stuff, but I learned some new shit, and I will fuck you up, and I will look fabulous doing it. Thank you. Thus ends the political section of the program for this week. Well, for now, who knows what's going to come up later. Anyway, so I forgot to mention this last time. Well, because TJ was here and we had all those stories and I forgot about it because this happened before she came to visit. I had gone to Subway to get my lunch, Subway sandwich shop, right? And I walked in the door and in front of me online at the cash register arguing with my Subway sandwich expert was the cinnamon lady. Now, those of you who are new are like, what the fuck does that mean? Were you going to have to go back a few episodes somewhere around the end of September, maybe beginning of October, somewhere around there, I had a run-in with the cinnamon lady at CVS. She's dressed like your classic Romani woman. She grabbed me by the beard and she whispered, Cinnamon! And walked away and I thought I had been given a gypsy curse. I thought I had been thinnered. I thought I had gotten Stephen King online at CVS. But then, there she was! Again! And apparently she was trying to pass expired coupons. And being really adamant about it. Because the poor guy behind the counter is going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I could call the manager over, but you can see right here that the date on the coupon, well, it's long past. It, it, these were stopped being good in August, and she just kept saying, no, they're still good. These coupons are still good. They're still good 
I want to use coupon. There's still good coupon. And I'm thinking, oh shit, she's gonna grab him by the face and just go, validate. But that didn't happen. But I just, I, I, and then she goes and she gets her, her drink and then she sits down. And I am just like, give me my sandwich so I can sit down and take a picture of this woman so that I can send it to all of you so that you can see what I'm talking about. And when I got down, my camera wouldn't start on my phone. All of a sudden, she's like, sorry, I can't load the camera. And it wouldn't work until after she left. Oh, ho, ho, it's magic, black magic, you know. Never believe it's not so. It's happening at Subway, but it was scary. So she's still out there. She's still out there. Now, I've been listening to some of the old episodes. I like to go back every now and then and just kind of review things that I've talked about, what worked, what didn't work, things that I've forgotten, stuff like that. And it's occurred to me that I haven't had as many funny stories as I normally do. And I think a lot of that is because I'm living alone now. Because let's face it, when Mr. Brad was here, there was always hilarity happening. Because, you know, because it's Mr. Brad and there was always just something ridiculous coming out of his mouth or something happening or his pants falling down in public. Something was always happening. But for the most part now, it's just me and the cat and my lack of funds because I have a cat who needs constant medical attention. And, you know, so I'm always just home by myself with her being lame. And so now I just have these observations of my life. Like, again, if you follow me on Facebook, you've heard this already. But the other day I was making my my lunch. I was making a tuna salad sandwich like I always do. Because since I have a cat who drains all of my funds because she needs constant medical care, I've been living on pretty much cereal, turkey sandwiches, and tuna salad. I'm down to my college weight all of a sudden, but it may not be the healthiest way to go, and I do not recommend it, but that's neither here nor there right now. Because as I'm making my tuna sandwich, I realized that I'm using the last of the mayonnaise. And it was a pretty big jar of mayonnaise. It wasn't like Costco size, but it was a decent sized jar of mayonnaise. And I said, huh, I'm the only person who lives here. Which means I am the only person who has used this jar of mayonnaise. That means I, and I alone, have eaten all of this mayonnaise. Every bit of its eggy white goodness is in my body. Not all at once. And yet I put it in my body with my mouth. Thanks, guys. Okay, you know, get your minds out of the gutter. But yeah, it was like a really weird life-defining moment. I was like, wow. This is the kind of person I am now. I'm the kind of person who eats an entire jar of mayonnaise. Love me. I'm 46-year-old HIV-positive gay man who sleeps with a two-tone night guard, has a CPAP machine, has an overweight cat who's insane, and eats entire jars of mayonnaise. Love me! Love me. So last night, I got to hang out with... Joe Borelli, who you might remember from the It Follows episode, and also, and he's also from the Creature Cast podcast. Cast, excuse me, I burped. I'm burping on the air. Classy. This is what you don't pay for. Uh, and also, listener and recent guest host Vanessa McEnery, who was on the Listener Haunts episode, talking about all the various things that happened in Halloween this year. And we got to go see Radio Theater's production of Ghosts of Christmas Past. Now, I've had them on the show before. Many, many Halloweens ago, I had uh, Frank Zellini from the company on talking about their production of Dracula. They do radio-style plays. They're, you know, they're read at podiums, but there's live music and the special effects, and they do really great work. It was great to hang out with everybody, and we went to the Monster, and we had cheap frozen margaritas, and then we went to the 
Marie's Crisis, and it was filled with straight people who wanted to sing The Little Mermaid and didn't know the goddamn lyrics to anything else. You're going to a piano bar that does show tunes only, and you know nothing. Great. You saw it on Jimmy Kimmel, and you think Josh Groban's going to show up? Guess again, fuck faces. Get out of my bar. Whew. So, on a sad note, I found out this morning that my friend Gary from the chorus passed away yesterday. He'd been fighting leukemia for a long time, and it well, it's not a surprise. It still hurts. He's a very sweet, good-natured guy, and he fought like hell for a really long time, and it's sad. And I found an article um, from earlier in the year that uh, ABC News did a special on him. Well, not him, but it was on the program that he was involved in, and he was featured in it uh, about the music therapy program that they we're doing at Sloan Kettering Hospital, and it's a great image of him just sitting with his guitar and singing, and he's just so happy, even though he's clearly very sick. And I used to love that image of him until I realized everybody else in the video around him is wearing, you know, face masks and rubber gloves, and it, 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 it can't touch him. I'm like, oh god, 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 fuck cancer, everybody, fuck cancer, and sail on, Gary. We'll miss you. You didn't deserve what you got. But hey, let me tell you something good. No, not yet, because <laughs> I forgot the punchline to the story, because yes, a friend dying of cancer does have a punchline, and believe it or not. So I was depressed by all this, and as most of you know, I've been having trouble with my shoulder. I have bursitis in my left shoulder, and while that's been getting better, I'm getting lots of muscle pain around my shoulder, pain, uh, my shoulder blade because I'm compensating for it. So... You know, I live alone now, so I can't give myself massages and stuff. So I went to the gym to use the steam room and sauna and see if I could loosen it up that way. And I opened the door to the sauna, and there's a guy on the floor of the sauna, naked, in a full split, trimming his pubes. And I had to say, I didn't really know how to react to any of this. So I might have stood there with, you know, my face going blah, 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 for a couple of seconds, thinking that perhaps I was dreaming, perhaps this was hallucination, perhaps, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but I, 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 he looked at me like I was the crazy one. I'm like, you are naked on the floor of a public sauna and a full split with your asshole kissing the ground while you're trimming your pubes. And you're taking up the whole length of the goddamn sauna, so I have to step over your naked ass to go sit down, and you're looking at me like, I'm crazy? I hope you get a fungus in your butthole. That's what I have to say. I hope you get athlete's foot on your taint. That's what I hope. Again, people, have some decorum. Don't talk about rinsing your butthole out on the subway, and don't sit naked on the floor of a public sauna at the gym trimming your pubes, spread eagle. Because that's nasty, baby. That's nasty. But here's the thing. If Gary had not passed away yesterday, and I had not been depressed enough to say, okay, I'm not going to deal with my shoulder pain by myself, then I might not have gone to the gym today, and I would not have seen the naked man on the floor in a split, trimming his pubes. And I have nothing to talk about right now. So thanks, Gary. Not for dying, but for I, I'm going to say that you had a little hand in that. Somehow you arranged all of this. Okay, I'm going to take that as a little gift from heaven. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, so, my little cleansing... Oh, gosh, now I'm talking about cleansing. I don't mean that kind of cleansing. I'm not talking about rights of cleansing. Okay, let's start over. My little palate cleanser. 
that I had to do last episode by covering a non-horror movie and instead some guilty pleasure of mine, the first new musical, of course, has paid off. I can now watch horror movies again with aplomb. And that's great. Of course, I haven't watched anything good. I watched Tales of Halloween, which I thought was... It's just... uh, You pick too many stories. Ten stories is too many for one movie. Tell four stories weirdly well. Not ten. Kind of... Well, you know, ten. Most of which are shitty, and a couple of them are approaching all right. But, you know, for the most part, bleh. It's got a lot of people from horror in it doing cameos. Len Shay's in it, and I love her, but overall, bleh. I saw something called Shelly, which wasn't really a horror movie, and it kept feeling like it was going somewhere, and the performances were really good, but at the end of the day, I said, what the fuck did I just watch? That didn't resolve, and you didn't explain anything, and I mean, I'm, I'm all for a lack of too much backstory, but like, a little bit can't hurt. Shelly, Shelly, so smelly, banana, banana, faux felly. I'm just mad it wasn't about Stan's sister from South Park, because that would be a scary movie. So... Wrapping things up really quickly, it's Screen Actors Guild Christmas season, which means I keep getting all these screeners in the mail of movies that they want me to vote for for the SAG Awards, which is really cool. So I get to see all these great movies for free. And, yeah, this is off topic of horror, but I just want to say it's a gay thing. The movie Moonlight is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out. It's this three. Uh, it's one-man story. It's three stages of life as a child, as a teenager, and as a grown-up. Growing up gay, black, and poor in Florida. And it's fantastic. Fantastic, wonderful, powerful, moving movie, and especially in the early sections because it really kind of captured what it felt like to be the gay kid growing up at a time where you couldn't come out at 11 and everybody would celebrate it. Maybe we don't want to understand what it was at 11, but it's a great movie, highly recommended. My personal favorites that I've seen so far are 20th Century Women. Annette Benning is a fucking treasure. Treasure, and it's not a chick flick movie. If you think it is, you're wrong. It's fantastic, wonderful, funny, moving, powerful. Great. I also got to see Hidden Figures. Loved it. Loved every second of it. Go see it right now. And the thing is, which I, what I love about it, I love. I got so wrapped up, you know, because it's about the space program. And it, they're talking about John Glenn's flight into space and, like, the perils that he was facing. And it's so well done that I forgot that it's a historical movie. And I know that John Glenn got back, okay? I was on the edge of my seat until I was like, oh, wait, oh my god, what's going to happen? Is it going to die? Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Patrick, you already know how this turns out. But hey, if you can make me forget that I know shit, that's really cool. But the one I really want to talk about right now is Lion, like the animal, Roar. And it's got Dev Patel from Slumdog Millionaire, and it's got uh, Nicole Kidman. And it's about a little boy who gets lost in India, and he spends 25 years trying to find his home again. Anyway, not the point right now. This is the scariest movie you're going to see. Well, Patrick, they're advertising it as the feel-good movie of the year. Yeah, it is. It's powerful. It's moving. You'll cry. You'll laugh. It's great. Nicole Kidman's wig is the most horrifying thing you will ever see. If she got an Oscar for wearing an ugly nose in the hours, they're going to make her queen of the universe with this fucking wig. I realize that it's a perfect match to the woman that she's playing, because it's a true story, you know, and that woman did look like that in the 80s, but seeing Nicole Kidman in this wig, trying to move her fucking Botox face like a normal person, I was like, ah! Make it stop! Ah! Covering my eyes, crying in my popcorn for all the wrong reasons. Oh, Nicole... Oh, honey, 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 no, no, 
I mean, the movie takes place in Tasmania at that point. Maybe they don't have gay people in Tasmania or enough, like, gay wiggery person, people, wiggery people, sure, whatever. I don't know, whatever. I, or maybe they just hated you, Nicole, because that wig was nasty. Nasty wig. Whew. So I think that wraps it up for the chatter portion of this program. So I think that's enough of my babbling for right now, because after all, we have got a spectacular to get to. But first, we are going to play a little music. We are going to listen to a song from the super sexy, cubalicious Homer Mars. He's guested on the show twice now. He was here for Tales of the Crypt Demon Knight and also for the movie Warlock. And he's the musical genius. And I'm going to do a little special feature on his music. So if you like what you hear from Homer Mars, head on over to Homer Mars Bandcamp page. And that's homermars.pancamp.com, something like that. Just remember, it's Mars with two R's, so it's Homer Mars, because he's that delicious. So this is the song, It's Amazing, featuring Gina Gunn from RuPaul's Drag Race. If you like it, go buy it, and if you don't like it, you're going to have to listen to it anyway. But after that, we have the spectacular, take it away, Homer. This is me at my school. It's amazing. This is me in a car. It's amazing. This is me with a fake. It's amazing. Getting into a bar. It's amazing. This is me in cute boots. It's amazing. This is me as a flirt. It's amazing. This is me and some douche. It's amazing. In an Ed Hardy shirt. It's amazing. me on my blog. It's this is me on my phone. It's this is me with my dog. It's and his fierce rubber bone. It's this is me giving face. It's this is me being real. It's this is me and that douche it's trying to cop a feel. It's Cause when you're this My job. This is me at the mall. This is me in a wig. Looking adorable. This is me getting high. This is me getting stoned. This is me putting out.
So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is that time of the year again. That most magical time of the year. No, not the holiday seasons. No, 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 no. For you see, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, once again, another Friday the 13th has popped up on our calendar. And those of you who have... And for those of you who have been listening for a while, you know what I mean. And you know what it means when it means when it means. That's right. It's time for another Friday the 13th Spectacular! show, you're probably wondering, what the fuck was that? Well, let me explain something to you. Every damn horror podcast does Friday the 13th, and they've been done to death, all of the movies. So I have my unique little take on how I approach these things, because you see, I am very, very old. And I got to see every single one of these movies in the theater. Somehow, even as a teeny tiny child, I was able to persuade an adult to take me to these damn movies. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. So I've got a unique perspective. Maybe it's not so unique for these later ones, but you know what? I've got a formula and I'm sticking to it. And by the way, it's my goddamn spectacular. And if I want to play French can-can music, then I'm going to do it. Because you see, every time Friday the 13th pops up on the calendar, I talk about the next movie in the series. And kids, we're up to the final movie in the series. Well, at least the last produced movie in the series. I don't know if there's going to be another Friday the 13th Spectacular. And if there is, I don't know what I'm going to do for it. This is some serious shit. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am up to the 2009 remake reboot of Friday the 13th, when the franchise finally went back home to Paramount. Goodbye, New Line. Hello, Crystal Lake. I got nothing. I don't know, whatever. Hello, Friday the 13th, because we finally got the damn title back. Yeah. So why don't I stop talking for a minute and let's listen to the trailer. Okay, okay. Did you know a young boy drowned here? He was my son. And today... It's his birthday. You won't believe my parents' cabin. Here we sister she's gone missing have you seen her jane missing she's dead people go missing around here they're gone for good
Jason, and today is his birthday. So, as I've said, just like every other movie in the theater, I got, uh, every, rather, every other movie in the series, rather, I got to see this in the theaters, and I got to see it on opening night in Times Square. So, I'm going to start with that experience. Normally, I put the my personal experience with the movie at the end of the discussion, but I want to do it first, and this is why. Because, as we all learn from the theme song from The Facts of Life, you take the good You take the bad, and unfortunately, there's lots of both to be had here, because my experience in the theater was fantastic. And I remember coming home, and I was all excited and jazzed and and, and everything, and then I heard, wow, it it was the huge box office success of the day, yet by that Sunday, by the end of the weekend, it had completely fallen off the charts because word of mouth was terrible, and I was baffled. And I had not seen the movie since then, until I watched it for the podcast right now. And now I get it. I was lucky. Because that Times Square opening night audience was one of those rare, perfect storm movie viewing experiences that elevated a piece of shit to something extraordinary. And while, yes, watching the movie now, I was really quite bored and irritated, you still can't take away what happened in the movie theater that night. So let us go back to 2009, a Friday the 13th, whatever fucking day of the year it was. I don't remember. I don't remember what happened in the calendar year, and I'm not looking it up because I have better things to do. I have things to talk to you about rather than worry about goddamn calendar dates. This is not a history podcast, goddammit. But there I was. Lined up for the 9 o'clock showing with the other members of the Dark Side Horror Movie Meetup group. So Rich was there with his big, round, stupid-looking head, and you know he was probably doing something stupid, and I probably gave him a lap dance while we were waiting because I always managed to do that. I always managed to sit somewhere in the row with Rich, and when I have to get up and go to the bathroom or buy popcorn, I always do a little slow, slinky slide over his lap and you know grind a little bit, and he's just like, oh, my head is big and round. And... <laughs> That's really not the point right now. It is a sold-out audience. People are dressed up as Jason. People are dressed up as Mrs. Voorhees. People are dressed up in you know, like they had, you know, in various gore attire. And we are ready to party. And party we did. Now I came in oddly excited. No, I didn't have a boner. Stop it. Stop it. I meant excited for the movie. Yeah, we've had some real shitty experiences in the past. I have left the theater on many an occasion embarrassed that I bought a ticket in the first place. I'm looking at you, Jason X. I'm looking at you, Jason Takes Manhattan. Or just playing out, flat out bored. Jason goes to hell. Yet, Freddy vs. Jason was a lot of fun to see in the theater. And now enough time had passed and enough... Hands had been changed and things had gone back to Paramount, so I was like, well, things were better there, so maybe things will be better now. And then that trailer came out. That trailer was amazing! The trailer scared the hell out of me. And I have to admit, sitting in the movie theater, waiting for the film to start, I had... This nervous energy that I hadn't had 
since seeing the first and second ones in the theater. The first, you know, if you listen for a long time, the first movie, I had no idea what I had gotten myself into. Slasher movies were not a blip on my radar at the time. I was a monster movie kid. That's what I was raised on. I didn't even know something like this was possible. And it was way too much for my little nine-year-old mind. And it worked it forever, and now I have a podcast. So here we are. So, waiting for the second one to start. I was terrified. As the movie was beginning, I was feeling that urge to cover my eyes, which I have not had at a movie in a long time. And that was really exciting. And like I said, the audience was the perfect storm. Everybody was laughing at the right spots. And people were screaming. Not ironic screaming. Screaming, screaming. And that is a really rare thing to happen at a horror movie these days. At a horror movie these days. Because let's face it, kids, we've become really jaded and we're immune to a lot of this shit now. But it was a fun roller coaster ride until the movie shut the bed in the last reel and just got really boring. But that's neither here nor there. But for two thirds of the movie, it was tons of fun and everybody came to party. One of the things that people hate about the movie is early on, there's a character when he's looking for the pot field, which we'll get into later, and he's listening to Sister Christian. And people, I heard other podcasts like, why did they do this? This was just stupid. Why is he listening to Sister Christian? Why do we have to hear so much of Sister Christian? Well, I'll tell you why. Because in that sold-out audience in Times Square, on Friday the 13th, on opening night, you had... Whatever, how many people the house held? 500, 600, 700, whatever, singing along to a one hit wonder from the 1980s. Motoran, what's your prize for flight? That when, and we were having so much fun, that when they cut the song in the movie, we all groaned, aww, because we were having so much fun. It was a collective experience and it bonded us as an audience, and it, that kind of bond held. The excitement and nervous energy and, and, and the sense of fun was infectious. And it flavored my experience. Is that the word I want to use? Do I want to use flavored? Is that what I'm trying to I don't, But you know what I mean. It just enhanced the whole thing for me that it was a perfectly satisfying movie-going experience, and I said, yes, welcome back, Jason, it's great to have you, and then the reviews came out from, you know, the papers and from regular people, and from people that I thought would love it, they hated it, and I said, what happened? Did you see the movie I saw? And it turns out, no, you didn't. No, you didn't, because the audience made it for me. All right, so let's fast forward to the now. I'm not going to go through the plot that much because there isn't much of one. I mean, there's less of a one than normally happens in these things, or there's too much, depending on which part of the movie we're talking about. But let's just start from the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. You've got the pre-credit thing. Not the kids in the woods yet, but the flashback to 1980s, which at the time did not bother me. And as I'm watching it now, was not bothering me. Until. At the very end of this, you know, you have Mrs. Voorhees and she's doing a whole thing with the girl. And the girl cuts her head off with the machete which she swung from her hip. 
Like, there was no wind-up into that swing. It somehow managed to cut her head off in a really low-energy chop. But okay, whatever. Just get the movie started. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But then you see child Jason walk up to his mother's body and take her machete and that little locket with her picture in it. And when I watched it this time, I said, oh, okay, wow, okay, that's cool. So they put him there, and then I went, wait a minute. All right, okay, that's fine. They just had said that he had drowned. That's all that we know is that he had drowned. They didn't set it in 1957 at the beginning. We didn't have a flashback then, so we don't know in this version that Jason drowned in 1957 because this is a reboot. Okay, in this version, that didn't happen. Maybe maybe this happened two or three years before the original events at Camp Crystal Lake in 1980. But then why did they cast a 60-year-old woman as Mrs. Voorhees? Did she give birth to Jason in her 50s? Is that possible? I mean, I am not an owner of a vagina, but I know enough about them to know that they tend to shut, set up, sh- shut up shop. That's a really hard thing for me to say. They tend to shut up shop a bit earlier than that. I mean, I guess, yes, it's possible, unlikely, but... This was really super emphasized by the fact that the voiceover that they have for Mrs. Voice, they have her doing old lady voice like she's in her 70s. So I said, time out. What are you doing? Because I could have bought that Jason drowned two years before the opening events in this movie. And then now, whatever, 20, 30 years later, he's grown up. Fine. Great. Nope. Because that's not what you just set up. Somehow a 70-year-old woman gave birth to a child that was approximately 9 years old at the time, based on what I just saw. Alright. Whatever. Let's just get the movie started. Let it go, Patrick. Let it go. Let it go. Sloppy filmmaking in the first 45 seconds. And initially, I was on board with this whole opening Prelog, prelog, prolog, pre-title sequence, that long, long thing with the five kids who are out in the woods. Except, what is it with Platinum Dunes and people stealing pots? That's been the plot for several of their reboots of major franchises now. And it, it, it doesn't mean anything they could have why couldn't they have just been camping this pot really doesn't play any major importance it's unnecessary and it's kind of stupid because now we're not just having five innocent teens on a sexy hiking trip through the woods no 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 no. now we have thieves we have straight up felons this is influencing my opinion of them i'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just went all my favorite murder on you. I'm sorry. I don't like these kids already. And then I don't like them on top of that because this, the writing in all of this movie is so shitty. Throughout everything, there is no character development. Granted, these movies are not known for particularly deep characters, but these characters have no traits at all. You know nothing about them. Okay, think back to the original movie. What do you know about the victims? Well, okay, we know that Brenda was a vegetarian, staunch vegetarian. She was, like, really smart and stuff, and she used big words and 
knew philosophy and shit, and she read books. Okay, that's interesting. And we knew Annie really loved to cook, and she really loved children. She was a really sweet, optimistic gal, and Jack was a practical uh, – not Jack, but Nettie was a practical joker, and, and Alice was an artist. We know all these things about them. Throughout this movie, we know nothing about anybody. Yeah, people come on and have scenes with dialogue, but it's not any meaningful dialogue where we're learning anything about them. They're just, let's smoke pot for the sake of smoking pot and talk about smoking pot and talk about drinking. And we don't know anything about any of you. And this is really most evident with the female characters, particularly the two identical blondes that show up in the modern section. The women in this are objects. Yes, there's always been a bit of, you know, Titsy Giggles. Titsy Giggles? That's a great point. That's a great drag name. Hi, I'm Titsy Giggles. You know what I mean. Titillation factor in this. But there was an innocence to it. This is really not that at all. At the time, seeing it in the movie theater, topless water skiing was hilarious. Like, ha ha, what a funny Friday the 13th thing to do. Watching it now, I said she's doing that, but there's no joy in it. There's no fun. It's just here tits for tits. and Okay, that's fine. Now, I'm watching the killer cut, whatever that means. I didn't see anything that was particularly extended, except maybe one kill. And I think the other blonde girl's sex scene went on a hell of a lot longer than it did in the movies because watching it now, I got uncomfortable. Because normally sex is mixed with suspense in this movie. You just got waiting for bad things to happen. But this was really about ogling this girl's naked body in a way that was not cute, innocent, sexy, scary, suspenseful. It went on for what felt like five minutes. And I said, okay, I got it. And that particular actress, whose name I don't know, because like I said, I'm not looking anything up this time, is good. She was fantastic as the bitch character whose birthday it was in my Super Psycho Sweet 16. And she's got nothing to do here. Nothing except get her tits out and fuck her best friend's boyfriend with no qualm with no hesitation, and with no real guilt either. It's weird. They're weird, soulless characters. I don't know any... Okay, yeah, Trent is a douche, the guy whose house it is. He's a douche. We got that. Why is he a douche? I don't know. What was her name in the seventh one? Oh, Melissa. Yeah, Melissa was a huge, manipulative bitch. But when you watch the movie, you get to see, you get a hint of why. She's rich, she's spoiled, and incredibly insecure. This guy's a dick because he's rich and he's a dick. And that's all we ever know about him. There's no come up and scene. There's no scene where you get to see any other layers of him. And it just is really tedious and boring. And initially, I'm jumping all over the place. I really like that prologue scene. Because it was scary. Yet, watching it now, I said, you just took a huge chunk of time away from everybody else and maybe that's why they're not so developed because we spend so much time with you stupid kids which granted was great but I felt it hurt the rest of the movie because then the other movie is divided between the kids of the house and fucking Jared Padalecki where's my sister I don't care I don't care about you Jared Padalecki I don't like seeing stars in these movies 
star stars. A-list TV stars. No, I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, we had recognizable faces in the past, like, you know, Terry Crews. But that was okay. He's a character actor. And he was not in a main position. You know what I mean? Never mind. I don't know. It's just lots of time wasted that should have been spent building up suspense rather than pointless backstory, which is, you know, is, my opinion, the quickest way to kill a horror movie. Now, I know a lot of people had trouble with the character of Amanda, who's from that prologue scene. She's the one who mysteriously survives in what Kathy Bates would call a complete cock duty scene. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that machete was going right for her face and somehow it didn't happen and now she's in the underground lair, which is also ridiculous, but whatever. I had no problem with Jason keeping her as a hostage because it looked like his mother. I can see maybe, given somebody with mother issues, he would have a lot of trouble killing somebody that looked that much like his mother and want to keep her. I don't mind that. And also, it's a reboot. I'm willing to let you add new things. Like what they did with the character of Jason. I think that Derek Mears got to do a lot of interesting things with what is normally a dull character, and lots of people had lots of problems with him because it's not what you did in the original. Okay, I get that. There's things I don't mind if you're going to set things up the way you're setting things up. Okay. So, a lot of people couldn't really seem to wrap their head around the fact that this is not dead Jason. Jason doesn't run. Yes, he does. Jason has always ran before he died. Dead Jason didn't run. Live Jason runs. But okay, so yeah, we have some, we have a, a man who lives alone in the woods, an isolationist, and I guess a sort of survivalist. He lives off the land and he lives on what he can steal. So it makes perfect sense that he's extremely skilled with hunting weapons and has things like bear traps and shit set out. Why? He's got to eat. Yeah. This ain't zombie Jason. Man got to eat. Jason wouldn't use the bear trap. Sure he would. I said so. No problem. I like that a lot of his motivation for this movie is that he just wants to be left alone. That he probably would never have come over to that house because that house has been there for a hell of a long time. Clearly they've been there many, many summers without any incident. Why? Because they never went to the other side of the lake and bothered him until now. You invade my home, I invade yours. Very simple. I liked it. I wish we had had been able to see more layers of that. But we spent so much time with this prologue scene and then so much time looking for Missing Sister and that it doesn't happen. Too much divided focus. Which is unfortunate. And it just occurred to me. As I'm talking about this. The locket. With the picture of Mrs. Voorhees in it. Is a young Mrs. Voorhees. And that. Is. What Amanda looks like. Amanda doesn't look like 60 year old. 70 year old Mrs. Voorhees. Which means that's the Jason, that's the Mrs. Voorhees that Jason knows. Not the old one stalking the camp. So clearly it didn't happen two years before. Clearly it happened a long time before. Yet somehow he was nine years old in 1980. 
Okay, you can say that's a problem with the original, but then again, when he jumps out of the canoe at the end, that's a dream sequence, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Well, I think it is. If you don't, go fuck yourself, because I'm right. <laughs> the other thing that I haven't heard anybody ever discuss in regards to this movie, and it struck me at the time in the theater, is how fucking mean Jason is in a lot of these kills. It's not just go in, exterminate, get out. No. A lot of it is go in, make it hurt for a really fucking long time. And then you'll die eventually, but yeah. It's just as much about hurting you as it is about killing you. He wants to make you suffer. Why? Because you're being punished. Why? Because you disturbed him. When he strung up that girl in the opening sequence, over the campfire, I was appalled. I was horrified. And I was frightened. I said, that is cruel. He didn't burn her to death. He slow roasted her. That's fucking cruel. That Asian boy in the in the woodshed. People said, oh, that was a lame kill. It wasn't gory at all. You know, there's so many great weapons in there and he used that. Yeah, I get that. He's the one that was going to take a really long time. Because he takes that little spiky thing, whatever it is. I don't know what the hell it was. Long, sharp, pokey thing. Thin, pokey thing. Almost like a knitting needle, but why would that be there? It couldn't have been that. I don't know what the hell it was. Anyway, I'm, I, I don't know tools. Not those kind of tools, anyway. And he jams it in the guy's chin and slowly drives it up into his brain, taking a really long time because it's supposed to fucking hurt cruel and i'm pretty sure that on the killer cut that this is much more extended than it was in the theatrical cut i only remember that going on for a few seconds and this went on for a really really long time same thing with the one black character he doesn't throw the axe at him and kill him nope he lets him sit in pain for a really long time using him as bait to get the other people out how by wiggling that axe around in the wound and making him scream and then flipping him over and pushing it slowly through his body. That's cruel. And that scared me. That was something new. He wasn't just an extermination machine. He was a punishment machine. And I, oddly enough, I would have liked to have seen more of that because a lot of the other kills are lame. Noticing it now, it's a rather bloodless movie. Which is weird for a Friday the 13th. Yeah, you see blades coming out of people, but it's kind of dry. And I'm sorry, we're here for the red stuff, baby. Come on, like even fucking Jason X with all its digital crap gave us the goo. We're here for the goo, bitch. On the DVD, they had a couple of scenes that were cut. Most of them are bullshit scenes, but the the one that struck me the most is the guy... um, who I guess is the pot farmer. I really don't know. That was the other question. People are like, what, is Jason a pot farmer? Actually, I don't know. That doesn't make sense, because who's he selling it to? And clearly he's not smoking it himself, because he would be a hell of a lot more mellow. But, in the deleted scene, he is killed because he catches Jason stealing kerosene. In this one, and the one in the movie, it it's better in some ways and worse than the others, because in this version, you know, he goes upstairs, he hears somebody upstairs, and he's walking around this attic thing, and there's a suspense that's missing in the other one. That's not there. 
and it's a quick scene, mostly a quick way to introduce the hockey mask because he's going from the pillowcase to the or the the sack over his head to the hockey mask. And it was weird in this version. Like, yeah, he's still jerking off to a magazine in this version, but for some reason, it's his hockey mask, and he has to put it on to jerk off. Okay, whatever, whatever makes you happy. Okay. In the theatrical version, he finds the hockey mask accidentally. Yet, what is missing in the deleted scene is the completely unnecessary scene with the mannequin. The sex mannequin. Where we are meant to believe that this character has sex with a mannequin and is talking to her about all the sex that he's going to have with her. And I just, this is stupid. This is stupid and gross, and it's a mannequin. It's made of wood or plaster or whatever. You're going to scrape the shit out of your ding-dong doing that. Stop it. Stop it. This is the kind of soulless, bullshit, non-humor stuff that just ruins this movie. Random jerk-off scenes. The sex scenes, like I said, all of them, well, both of them, are just, I don't know. They're not titillating. I mean, they're, they're more exploitive than titillating, and I don't like them. And I've said that already, so I don't know why I said it again. And watching it this time, I kind of realized I, I, the geography of this place doesn't make any sense because they keep saying, "Well, we gotta go to the other. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the other side of the lake to look for my sister." And he takes that one girl, and they're gone forever. And we see the lake. It's a big lake. It would take a while to get over there. Yet later on in the movie, like people seem to be teleporting back and forth between the main house and Camp Crystal Lake like it's right next door to each other which we've established that it's not but whatever it would be like it's a really fucking long night that's happening and i don't like it and in the end there's no one masking at no point does the hockey mask come off and we get to see jason's face what happened what happened that's weird what a weird thing to leave out of a Friday the 13th movie because that's usually the point where it goes ah scary new makeup no no scary new makeup this time just more I mean, I hate this movie. I really hated this movie. I loved it in the movie theater, and I will never have that experience again because what is out here on DVD just sucks. Without that great jazzed-up audience, this is a huge, soulless, joyless piece of crap with a glimmer of something great. You tried to do something new with the Jason character. Try to give him some layers, but then you just lost it. By diluting the rest of the story with so much other bullshit, I don't care enough about these characters to be spending this much time with them. If you're going to build up Jason as an interesting character, show me some of his new tricks. And how about building up your goddamn supporting cast of characters? I don't need a lot of stuff, just some stuff, because really all I know about these kids, all of them, the ones at the beginning and the ones at the house is that they like to drink, they like to get high, and they like to jerk off a lot, apparently. And you know what? That is not valuable character information. And I'll tell you why it's not valuable in character information. You know why? Because everybody likes to drink, smoke, pot, and jerk off. I'm jerking off right now. I'm telling you a little secret. Every single episode of this show, every single episode of this show, all 175, I have done a 10-foot bong hit beforehand. I'm drinking Jack Daniels, and I am jerking off every second that you're listening to me. Everybody does it, so it's not a decent character trait. Tell me anything about them. That one likes kittens. That one, I don't know, is, is, is I don't know, diabetic and I, I, that one 
is, I don't know, a, a, afraid of frogs. I don't know. Just tell me something unique about these people. Not something that everybody does like drinking, smoking, and jerking off. You're probably all doing it right now while you're listening. Guaranteed one of you is doing that right now while you're listening. And call me. How you doing? What's up, girl? Guy. Girl. Guy. Whoever you are. Call me. Whoever you are. I want to know. I want to know what you're doing while you're listening to me. Actually, no, I don't. <laughs> What's happening? Oh, God. Patrick's going off the rails. Here he goes. Wee! <laughs> and by the way, am I to understand that Camp Crystal Lake already had this underground, massive, vast, labyrinthian underground lair underneath it or am i supposed to believe that jason somehow dug this out himself fuck you movie i'm not stupid you think i'm stupid and i don't like it because you know what part of me really hopes that the original camp crystal lake was built with a fucking giant sex dungeon underneath it that would make me happy i would like to see in the midst of all like the 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 the, the weird altars and piles of bodies and shit that there's a sling and like uh, one of saint Andrew's crosses and like a row of whips and dildos and shit. That's what I want to see in your, your underground lair, goddammit. If you're gonna have an underground lair at your summer camp, make it be a goddamn sex dungeon. I have needs. I know what goes on at summer camp. I don't actually. I never went to summer camp, but I would go to summer camp if my summer camp had a sex dungeon in it. Maybe my, well, you know what? My parents probably would have sent me to Catholic. Summer camp. And that would definitely have an underground sex dungeon in it. The Catholics love their underground sex dungeons. I can say that I went to Catholic school for 17 years. I know what went on. My the president of my high school is all boys Catholic high school is currently under investigation for child molestation. And it surprised nobody who went there. So a concept of a giant underground sex dungeon underneath a Catholic summer camp. Makes total logical sense. You wouldn't even have to have explained it. Oh, you just oh, it's a Catholic summer camp. I understand now. Oh yeah, I granted, it's Cram Crystal Lake is not a Catholic summer camp. But you know what? Shut up. Shut up. Daddy's on a roll. Daddy's on a roll. Daddy's having fun all of a sudden. This movie bored the tits off of me. My tits are lying on the floor, and Smoochie's knocking them around the living room. And I'm gonna have the shit bored out of me. My tit. Now I have to sit here titless, drunk, stoned, and playing with myself. Then goddamn it, I'm gonna have fun. Wee, wee. Smoochie just ran away. I'm scaring the poor girl. You should be afraid, Smoochie. Be very afraid. Be very afraid of Titless Daddy. Yes, yes. Woo. Bullshit movie. I don't. Like, I don't even like the ending where uh, spoiler that the girl you think is gonna be the final girl gets killed, and oh, it's Amanda, the Mrs. Voorhees character who's the final girl who we don't have much investment in because we don't know anything about her because she's been this whole time chained up, and whatever, I don't care. I don't care. Fuck this movie. Yeah, another one's coming out, apparently. Maybe. I don't know. I know it's in a legal battle. I don't know how it's been resolved. At this point, I don't care. I'll go see it. But if it's anything like this one, go fuck yourself. I like to see Mr. Mears back. I like Derek Mears. I like him as a person. I've met him several times. He's a cool guy. He's a funny guy. I like his work. I like his work on Sleepy Hollow. I liked his work in uh, Hatchet 3. I mean, he's a cool dude. I follow him on Facebook. He's funny. He's a funny, funny man. Give him something to do. Besides kill really boring kids. Kids that are so boring that you didn't bother to name most of them. Half of these characters, you don't find out their names until after they're dead.
I had a problem with that. And you named the character Brie. You already got you got you got two interchangeable blondes who name are Chelsea names are Chelsea and Brie. You named one after a place I used to live, and the other one after cheese. What the fuck, movie? If your name is Brie out there, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making fun of you. But fuck this movie. I think it was everybody had douchey names. Like individually, all the names are fine. The name Brie is fine, but when you compile them with Wade and Blake and Whitney and Richie and and and, and Chelsea and 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 well, I don't know. I don't even know what the black guy's name is. You know why? Because he's the black guy and he's completely expendable, unfortunately, because that's the way these movies go. Fuck Friday the 13th reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it. It's more like a repoop. You pooped the bed, you pooped the lake, you pooped my life. And no, I don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the Friday the 13th when they come up on the calendar. What am I supposed to do? Do I start looking at individual episodes of Friday the 13th, the series? Is that enough to talk about? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'll pick two at random and talk about them on the show. I don't know. I don't know. But even though the movies are stopped coming, Friday the 13th are not going to stop on the calendar. They're never going to stop. Well, they might stop after, you know, somebody blows the world up in six months or so. But, you know, whatever. That's not the point right now. Hey, if you've got a suggestion for what I should do on Friday the 13th, the Spectacular, that's not Friday the 13th, the series, please let me know. You know how to contact me. And if you don't, that information's on the end of the show because I'm tired of talking about this goddamn movie. Did I even talk about anything interesting? I don't know. Did I give you any insight? I don't know. I don't know. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I do care. I do care. I do care. You know I love you. I just I don't love this movie. <sighs> and just one more dig at the movie. They said at one point, wow, this house is nothing like the dorms. I'm like, what dorms? You people are 30. I mean, granted, these movies always have people cast older than they should be, but in this one, they just look really road hard because they're all supermodels. Because you know why? Because fuck you, that's why. Because fuck you. Fuck this movie. Fuck Sean Cunningham. Fuck Camp Crystal Lake. Fuck Paramount. Fuck Platinum Dunes. Fuck Michael Bay. And you know what? Fuck you. Why not? Go get fucked. Or go fuck somebody. Whatever. I got nothing. I got nothing. Wow. And the Friday the 13th Spectacular meets its potential end with not a scream, but a queef. Robin from Jacksonville, Florida. Robin! I haven't talked to you in a while, so hi. No, you haven't. Um, really didn't get out with a big, fancy speech or anything. Um, uh, but I did want to, before the end of the year, send you a voicemail and just say, I love you, I love you, I adore you. And <laughs> 2016, in some ways, it's like a big floppy donkey dick. But in some ways, 2016 has been an amazing year. Um... If everybody would just stop dropping dead. So, I'm hoping 2017 goes better. I'm actually kind of fearful for our future at this point, but always keep our chins up and stay positive and just smile at paparazzi and hope it goes okay. Nash, but I Nash just wanted to give you and little Smoochie Roo lots of love. I yes. hope you're doing better. Yes. And, um, 
have an amazing rest of your holidays. Have fun there in New York for the new year. And so good spring, rest, happy new year. And I love you and love you. Keep up the good work, and I will talk to you later. You Bye, better. Patrick. Bye, Robin. Thank you so much for calling in again, Robin. It's always a delight to hear from my little Florida friend. And yes, Robin did get this voicemail in before the end of the year. But I received it when I was already mixing episode 174 and uploading it to the internet. So I sent her a little message and she knew it was going to be late. But you know what? There's no such thing as a time limit on well wishes. So you're right on time, girl. Thank you very much. It was a hell of a year in a lot of ways, and it was a pretty cool year in a lot of ways, too. You know why it was a pretty cool year? Because you called in for the first time, Robin. That's an awesome thing about 2016 right there. And it's just as well, now that I think of it, that I didn't play your voicemail last episode. Given the subject matter of the last episode, I would have been a little... Little, no, I would have been a lot of bit embarrassed to know that your daughter was listening to that one. No, 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 no. Not that this one's much better, but that one, no, 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 no. Okay, Robin, thank you very much. Happy New Year to you as well, and big squishy smoochy hugs. Actually, you don't want a hug from Smoochie. You should probably rip your lungs out. She's a sweetheart. She's watching me right now. She's a wonderful cat. She's so loving and giving. Please help me. Please get me out of here. Someone call the police. I love her. Okay, next call. Hello, Mr. Patrick and Mr. Flynn. This is Chris from California. I just finished watching or listening to the nudie musical uh, holiday special episode. And at the end, uh, Mr. Patrick told us to reach out and call somebody who means something to us. So I wanted to say thank you for inviting yourselves um, or having us invite you into our respective homes and our lives. Uh, uh-huh. You know, week after week, um, and it's been a great journey. Um, so thank you. Thank you to both of you. Wow, Chris, I am going to tell you with 100% honesty that your call just left me speechless. It, huh, that, that meant a lot to me. That was very sweet. It was very simply put, and it, it caught me in just the right moment. It's been kind of a shitty day. You know, they're burying my friend Gary today, so I've been feeling down, and boom, there you are with that clear, sparkling telephone voice of yours. What a pleasure to have humming in my ears. And Chris, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I don't recognize that voice. So if I'm not mistaken, and I never am, except when I say that Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was a book, which it's not. And when I say that Devo made the movie Forbidden Planet, they didn't. That was on Goboga. But aside from that, aside from that, if I'm not mistaken, which I rarely am and I'm not right now, you, Chris, just might be a first-time caller! Yay! Yay! I haven't had one of those in a long time. I love that. So thank you very much for that very sweet, simply put little bit of fabulousness that you you dropped in my lap there and if never mind i'm not gonna make a dirty joke about you dropping in my lap but i just did because you know fish gotta swim bird gotta fly patch has gotta flirt with every guy who calls in because that's just the way it is on a scream queen show thank you chris have a good one happy 17 happy 17 happy 2017 to you whoo 
Patrick, Patrick, it's Michael in California. You oh know, God, one Michael, that hates everything. Michael. Yeah, well, pretty much everything. Yes. Okay, so uh, two thousand nine remake, reboot, reimagining, regurgitation, repoop of Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. Or possibly it was Supernatural the Thirteenth because it had the uh. kid from Supernatural in it. I can't remember what his name is. Jared like or something like that. Who can keep those two straight anyway? Who cares? They're barely you know, straight. What? Once again, they just sort of proved, and I think this was a Michael Mann again. Michael Bay. It was another friggin' Michael Mann. Michael Bay. Because they they had already screwed up Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, they did. With their reimagining. Uh, no, remake, reboot, reimagining, regurgitation. Repoop. Of Chainsaw Massacre. They did it again when when they when they tried to redo Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, I, why you know why are that? they trying to remake these for kids who, you know, by now have seen, hopefully, maybe you don't know all the other Friday the Thirteenth that came before it. So why try to do like oh we're gonna make a new one and and it's gonna be you know ah oh, it's a you know reimagination no it's just regurgitation. Can you tell I'm not happy with this film automatically? I can tell, Michael. I can tell. Yeah. I don't remember it very well. I saw it in the theater. I wasn't happy with it in the theater. Well, so, anyway, that's my take on it. I'm not calling them remakes anymore. I'm calling them regurgitations. I like it. Take it for what it is. I don't know. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I already said and, it. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk so- Oh, God, I think I have some gargoyle poop in my mouth. Oh, Jeez. Merry Christmas! Well, <laughs> as you know, Michael, Santa Claus brings presents to all the good girls and boys, but Phlegm Claus brings mouthful of feces to... Mouthful... Mouthful... Forget it. I've got a mouthful of feces. I can't even get through my own joke. Yes, Michael, 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 my love. You were very upset by all this. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about you. I think you take... You need to take enough Xanax that would put Blue Jasmine down for a week. I think that's what you need to do. Or just, you know, whatever. Just just relax. Relax. It was many, many years ago they made this bad movie. And man, it is bad. I agree with everything you said. For the most part, I don't mind a rebooting of a story because, you know, like, well, let's say with... The Halloween movies, when they got to H2O, and they said, you know what, we're going to forget about these movies that happened in between because they got way too complicated. We're just going to jettison all that bad cargo and try to pick up with something a little more, a little cleaner. That I don't mind. And I don't mind that they had a reimagining of the character of Jason, except they just fucked up everything that went around it, and it cost a billion times more than any of the others. And don't even get me started on Nightmare on Elm Street. That was absolutely terrible. Texas Chainsaw wasn't awful, but in the end, I was like, meh, whatever. Completely forgettable. Does anybody still talk about that movie? No. So, I don't know, because it's easy money. It's guaranteed box office. You're just... You know, it's why we have a million sequels to everything. It's why we don't have many original projects coming down the pikes. Is because when you're an established franchise, you've got built-in money. People are going to come in just for the name. Doesn't matter if it's good or not. The name already sold the ticket. So they don't have to make a good movie. So whatever. Who cares? Fuck them all. It'll take a really long time. But you and I, Michael, we are going to fuck them all. Line them up. Let's go. What just 
happened? I don't know, but it was dirty, and I liked it. What do you bring out in me, Mr. Man? You California men, you just drive me crazy, and that's a good thing. But you know what? That's the end of the phone calls for today. However, I do have a couple of emails that I would like to share with you, and I'm going to do that right about now. Actually, before I get to the emails, I'm going to take a quick second to talk about what's been going on on Twitter. First of all, I want to say hi to Alex D., who sent me a little message earlier today that just said, thanks, for you, uh, thank you for hours and hours of oral pleasure. Kiss, kiss. And that's oral with an A-U. And if you were closer, I might give you the other kind of oral. But you know what? Well, that's neither here nor there, Alex. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Also, I want to give a huge thank you to Gidget Von LaRue, who, after getting the name of the podcast wrong several times, finally pimped the shit out of me. And brought me to the attention of Schlock Horror. Schlock Horror is a blog out of Australia. And Schlock, since I, I don't know Schlock's name or anything, so I'll just gonna call you Schlocky for now. So Schlocky has been pretty much live tweeting every episode as he's been listening to it and losing his or her goddamn mind. And it's really fun to watch. Hi, Schlocky. How you doing? How my little Schlocky? I uh, See, I'm not going to do my terrible Australian accent because that will just embarrass both of us. So just, just just, just, hear it in your head that I'm doing it. It was brilliant. It was hilarious. Never mind. And thank you, Gidget, for bringing him to – or her – whatever, getting the word out about us. Thank you. Thank you. That's the kind of advertising you can't pay for. And by the way, I didn't pay for it. But, you know, well, that's really neither here nor there. And now, finally – for the emails. This email I got a few weeks ago from Roger, and he says, Hello, Patrick. I'm a new listener, and I just wanted to let you know how much I am enjoying your podcast. I've just listened to a couple of episodes so far. I wish I had been listening before, but I hadn't been much into podcasts. I only discovered them as I am currently in a nice but monotonous job while working on entering your date. Sorry. While working on entering data, your show has been a wonderful diversion. You know what? That is my favorite kind of thing. Hey, you discovered me. When you discovered me, that's cool. And if I can help you goof off at work, right on. That makes me happy. He continues, I especially like that you will be doing more TV movies. I was born in the early 60s, so I saw most of them in their first run. I still remember vividly the original broadcast of Crowhaven Farm and was thrilled to listen you discuss, to listen to you discuss it. It was one of my all-time favorites and scared the crap out of me. Other favorites were Trilogy of Terror, excellent choice, Home for the Holidays, another good one, but the best was The Night Stalker. Yeah, it really was. There were others as well. My favorite horror movies are The Exorcist, Halloween, Rosemary's Baby, and Carrie. I'm so sorry I missed your discussion of Carrie, as I would have loved to contribute to that. Hey, nobody's stopping you from writing an email about Carrie now. There's no timestamp on my business, whatever. What? 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 I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway, shh, shh, keep reading. Current movies are The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. There are more, of course. Those are both excellent choices. I would love to share more, but can't at the moment. But I hope to be calling you soon to share more. Thank you, Roger. I hope to hear from you soon. Those were all excellent choices of movies. And I'm thrilled that you enjoy the TV movie section because I always wonder, am I losing my younger audience with this, and ultimately I don't care because the show's about me, and this is what founded me, right? 
right now the show is just about, about, about you people. Did I just say you people? Never mind. I don't know what I'm saying. Thank you for writing, Roger. That was very sweet. And I've gotten another message uh, from someone who I've talked with since he wrote. And we've decided that we're going to leave this anonymous for reasons that will make itself clear soon enough. And uh, this is a longer email, so bear with me. But um, I think there's some important stuff in here. Okay. I recently discovered your podcasts and enjoy them so much. I was so interested to hear your review of The Sentinel, as I saw that at the theater in its original release. I was 16 at the time, and I saw it with my big brother, and I remember it being very disturbing as well, primarily because of Beverly D'Angelo's scene. I know, right? That scene is bananas. And... Christina Raines was indeed very bad in that movie, as I recall. She wasn't that bad. She wasn't that bad. We were. You know, she was. Never mind. Never. She was also in the TV series Flamingo Road. Flamingo Road. I just made a joke about Flamingo Road a couple of episodes ago, and I just figured nobody would get that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I love my older listeners. I mean, my more mature listeners. I mean, whatever. Shh. Shh. She was also in the TV series Flamingo Road and a much better movie called Nightmares, a movie based on four different urban legends. That's right, that was her in in the she was driving the car in that sequence. Right, 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 right. Hers wasn't reviewed too favorably, but it was still kind of my favorite. Burgess Meredith never did win an Oscar, by the way. Really? You had to sneak in. Never never point out where I'm wrong. Please, I've gotten enough of that. Between Harry Potter and, and, and Oingo Boingo today, I can't take any more criticism. No, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. I could have sworn he did, but I, I will bow to your expertise. You've also done other TV movies, favorites of mine, and can't wait to see what others you will offer. I have such a long list of your podcasts to listen to, though, that it's going to take a long time to catch up. Please, pace yourself. They're not going anywhere. I just decided to start at the beginning after going through some of the movies I had already seen and work through them. I already can't wait to view some of the ones you mentioned that I had yet to discover. By the way, I don't think I've seen a podcast listed yet for the movie Goodnight Mommy. Have you done that one? No, I haven't. I've seen it. It was really not my cup of tea. Uh, it was a little ugly for me. I was I got turned off pretty early on the movie but hey if you loved it great that's cool wasn't my thing i would have spent the whole movie just going the whole podcast just going eh, i don't like this part eh, i don't like this part but you do that every show patrick shut up shut up no not 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 you writer not you person who wrote this email <laughs> okay and now we continue i also wanted to mention that your podcast also makes me angry and sad not at you though at myself I am a bisexual male that is married and have really kept the bisexual bisexual aspect hidden. After listening to your podcast, and especially in the horribly trying times we are facing ahead, I realize I have to make myself more available and get out there and fight more for the community to which I belong. It also makes me sad that I have denied myself to really be who I am for so long, and I refuse to do it anymore. Right on! Woo! I thank you for that. Additionally, I just wanted to say that it was brave of you to talk about your health in the podcast, and I admire you for it. The story of how you were bullied in school was also so sad to hear. I wish you the best. Hopefully, after listening to more of your podcasts and learning more about you, I will one day feel comfortable enough to give you a call. Thank you again for sharing, and have a good night. Okay. Now, see, 
once again, I'm speechless in, 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 in twice in one show, and that normally doesn't happen. Once, much less twice. But listen, it's not a race. There's no guidebook if it's taken you this long to figure it all out then that was the amount of time that you needed, okay? And beating yourself up with regret over time that you feel that you've wasted that's going to get you nowhere. Don't worry about that. And the idea of people coming out late, later in life is, is becoming almost a foreign thing to a lot of the younger LGBT folks out there, you know, because now you can come out at, you know, 15 and be celebrated and there's no backlash, but that was not always the case. And I have many friends that have been through this, so you're not alone in that. And I am not going to wallow in talking about, you know, what could have been for you or indulging that much because I'm just going to say celebrate girl welcome to the new you we love it you're fabulous I love it and I still think you're fabulous so I I, I don't know what else to say and if if this little show of mine helped with that hey whatever works whatever gets you to what you want to be okay that, that's a cool, 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 cool thing. Okay. That is going to wrap this show up for another episode. I do have some stuff I want to talk about right now as quickly as I possibly can. The show is going to be going in some not new directions so much, but I have to take new angles on things. And also, I'm uh, planning on expanding the show quite a bit through the Patreon account and other things like that. First of all, I want to stop using... Music. For legal reasons. Eventually, this is going to bite me in the ass. So, I want to start featuring the music of the friends of the show that I have, people that have been on the show, and also you guys out there. If you are a musical person, if you are a songwriter or a singer, and you have stuff that you want to share, by all means, contact me. I will play the hell out of you. We will see if we can, we can get some, you know, MP3 sold of your stuff. Or if not, just get you get, get you in the spotlight for a little while. Because you guys deserve that too. I'm going to start fo- focusing on my own people instead of people that already have all the accolades that they already need. So, if you want to be like all the people who called in and wrote in and tweeted. And if you have music that you want to send me. By all means, pick up your phone and give me a call at 917-720-2047. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. And of course, that's Queens with a Z. You can follow me on Facebook by doing a search on Scream Queens. You can find me on Twitter at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram at Scream Queens Podcast and also at NoTR for you. And... Please take a moment and head on over to the iTunes, the Stitcher store, or wherever you get your podcast, and leave a review. That is the best possible advertisements that I can get, and I can't do that kind of stuff myself. Get that in that whole algorithm that gets the word out even more. So, 
Keep your calendars open because tentatively tentatively scheduled for the afternoon of January 22nd, I'm going to have a viewing party for the horror movie from, I think, 1991, maybe 1992, the movie Popcorn. I want to be testing out this uh, this, this, this um, web app that will let us all watch movies together and chat and comment and have a great time. Didn't you say you were going to do that for the first Nudie musical? Yes, I still plan on doing that, but I think I'd rather test it out with a horror movie to get the core group in there so I can really see how this app works. So keep an eye on the Facebook page. Keep an eye on the Twitter feed. Keep an eye on Instagram. Keep an eye on the blog page to find out more information as the day gets closer. Because I want you there. It'll be fun to be chatting in real time with all of you people instead of just me talking by myself all the time. Well, it's not all the time. Sometimes I have guests. But for the most part, it's just me, blah, 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 blah. I would like to be in direct contact with you. And if that came out kind of dirty, good. Good. Wouldn't mind some of that kind of contact, too. Well, it's been a long time. Daddy's lonely. What's happening? I don't know what's happening. So, next time, I'm going to be addressing... The first listener takeover of the show. Because one of those people who bought a ticket to see George Takei's Allegiance in the theater on December 13th are going to reap their reward. I am doing the movie that they have chosen. And they might even have an original song that I will impromptuly sing for them on the episode. And the movie that we're doing is The Uninvited from 1980. Six, seven? The one with the cat on the boat. That one. The monster cat on the boat. We're doing that one. If you want to play along at home, it is streaming on Amazon Prime. And it's a huge turkey, but it's a fun one. So gobble, gobble, kids. Because we're going to have a good time. So, until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. And never forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. You can do it. Yay! Optimistic ending. Yay! Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, going to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches! <laughs>